The following is a sermon from Christ Memorial Church. We are a multi-site church in the St. Louis area. We are compelled by two words, loved and sent. We believe everyone is loved deeply by God through His Son, Jesus Christ, and everyone is sent with great purpose wherever they go. You can find out more about us at cmstl.org or reliantchurch.org. Enjoy the following sermon. Um, we've been uh, talking about, last week we started talking about, as, as we're kind of rounding the corner into the, the academic year, so to speak, uh, in the church we kind of follow that too. As, as the school year starts, things start to ramp up again after summer in our church as well. And so as we start the academic year, um, we're looking at this theme of one, one step. As a school would have like an academic theme for the year, so we too are going to follow this, this theme of one step being a theme of of growth, of spiritual maturity, of depth, because we just feel that we're at a season where there's stuff on the horizon that's really big that God is calling us to tackle. But how, how do you get to a, a thousand-mile vision? Well, you've got to start with just one step. And we feel that this season in our church is a time just to take a step in spiritual growth and maturity uh, as we head toward the vision that God is calling us to. So our goal for each member in this coming 12 months is to take one significant step in spiritual maturity. And so we've been asking, what step will, your be? will yours be? We talked about this last week, and you'll hear more about this. But today what I want to do is frame this, this one-step theme in kind of the bigger vision for our church, and then how, how you fit into it also. In our house, we have a wall of kind of family pictures, a bunch of frames, family and friends. Maybe you have one like this at your house too or your apartment. And uh, we have a picture of uh, Bobby and I, our wedding day. And uh, we look like we were 12. And somehow they let us get married. I don't know why, but our parents were there. They probably signed a document that allowed us to get married. But it's an important reminder of an important day in our lives. We got pictures of our parents and our nieces and nephews and siblings. There's, there's a picture of my wife's uh, brother, Ryan, who's a Wisconsin dairy farmer, and he has the Wisconsin dairy farmer physique. He looks like a big grizzly bear. He's got a big bushy beard, big body, big belly, and he thought it would be fun on the 4th of July, just a couple months, last month, he thought it would be fun to, to wear a Baywatch shirt on the 4th of July. And so he's got this, it, this went viral all over the internet. Facebook had just shared all over the place. He had this red Baywatch tank top that he was wearing, a little too tight. Didn't quite cover his entire gut. And then to top it off, he had a Baywatch uh, fanny pack that he put on too, and he just kind of walked around the whole day with the Baywatch shirt. And that picture just went viral all over the place. And I have to admit, we have a picture of Uncle Ryan on our wall. Not that picture. Not that picture, but a picture of Uncle Ryan. And maybe you too have a wall like this in your house of, of pictures. And for, for us, it's a reminder that we're part of a bigger community, that, that God has placed us in family and in friendships, that it's, it's bigger than us. And at the same time, we, our picture's on there too. We're a part of something uh, bigger. And what I want you to see today is that you are part of a bigger story, a bigger scheme that God has designed, that you're part of something bigger, and at the same time, you fit in it. Your picture's there too. And I want you to see that today, the bigger picture and how you fit into it. There's a dynamic in Jesus' ministry 
that I've been looking at recently, and I call it the crowds and the few. And the dynamic looks like this, that Jesus was always with crowds of people, masses, multitudes, and at the same time, he was with a few. Kind of like the big picture on the wall. There's this big conglomerate, faces, you can't even see all the faces, it's just a bunch of people on the one hand. If you step back, all you see are, are kind of these frames and a bunch, of, a bunch of people. But if you get closer, you start to see individual faces, particular people. And that dynamic exists in Jesus' ministry. I think it has something to do with you. And I think this dynamic has something to do with our church. Start with the few. Here's, here's an example. As uh, Vicar Micah read about Luke chapter 6, the calling of the disciples. We see Luke records that Jesus called, he chose, he named these apostles, and then we get their names. We get the list, Bartholomew and Philip and Simon the Zealot. and We get a list of people who are actually named in the Bible. Personal, particular people. And we see other examples of this too. Think about other places where there are a few named people personally. You think about uh, Nicodemus. Jesus was talking to Nicodemus late at night, you think about the woman at the well, or little Zacchaeus with his short man syndrome in the tree, or you think about the sisters, Mary and Martha. There are all these episodes of very particular people, individuals, a few. And in the same way, Jesus' Jesus' ministry was, was never just kind of up on a big platform talking to the crowds. He always came down into individual lives to know them, to look people in the eye, and to call them by name. Jesus always went to a few, the 12, or even of that, a subset of the three, just a few. But then, just as there were a few, there are also crowds. So in this list of the names of the apostles, we get to the end of it, and then the very next verse, after he called a few, the very next verse is this, if you'd read with me. And he came down with them, and stood among them. A crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. Jesus was so compelling that masses of people came to him, crowded around him. Think of other places where there are masses of people, the feeding of the 5,000 or the Sermon on the Mount or teaching in the temple or just going from town to town. Scripture often says that the people pressed in around him to get close to him. So we have all over the place that Jesus came for the masses, for large groups of people, for thousands, for the world. He came to the crowds. And so we have this dynamic. Crowds and the few. Masses of people, multitudes, and then he always takes a few and he pulls them aside and he teaches or prays with them. Goes deep, knows them, looks them in the eye. It's always the crowds and the few. The expansive, the big picture, the massive movement of God on earth, and then always the hyper-local, personal. There's the big pictures on the wall, the whole wall covered with faces and names of people. And if you stand back, it's just kind of one big, one big wall, a sea of individuals. But then, if you get up closer, you see Grandma and Uncle Ryan, 
It's the crowds and the few. It's the dynamic of Jesus' ministry as he goes back and forth. So what does this have to do with you? The crowds and the few. Jesus' ministry then is now also. And I believe that he ministers to you through crowds and through few. That his work among you is with crowds and few and that you, as a follower of Jesus, you need your few and you need your crowd. Part of being a Christian, you need both. You need your few. Uh, The few brothers or sisters in Christ who really know you who get you, who know all about you. With some people, you go to level three or four, maybe, in terms of your vulnerability, but there, gotta be a, there has to be a few that you go to level 10. You need your few. And you need your crowd. You need to be a part of something bigger than you, your congregation, for example, or a larger movement of God, or our church body, our denomination is called a synod, where we walk together. You need to be part of, a, of something bigger bigger at the same time so that it's not just about you. You need your crowd and you need your few. To help you start to frame this concept, the crowds and the few, to to apply it now to you specifically, a couple of of exercises for you to think about. List, this is in your bulletin too. If you want it in front of you, if you're a note taker, you can write it down or just think in your mind. List three people who have influenced your Christian faith the most. Name three people who have influenced or influence now your Christian faith the most. And as names come to your mind, you start to get a picture of your few. The people who really know you. The people who God has used to form you and shape you, pour into you. The people who, who can encourage you but also can hold you accountable. Think of three names. People who influence you the most in your Christian faith. And as you do that, you're, you're getting now to your few. On the flip side, list a time or think of a time when you felt part of something bigger. When was a time you felt part of something bigger than you? A team or a, a project or a mission trip? Think about a time you felt part something bigger is going on and you played a role in it, but it was bigger than you. As something comes to mind, now you're getting into the realm of the crowd. It's coming to mind that you're part of something bigger. These two things, just as you even think in just a few seconds, moments, you're starting to frame your crowd and your few. Jesus' core ministry was to a few, to 12 and even to three, where he lived life with them, taught them, prayed with them, rebuked them. As I think about my few, 
Uh, family would be in that. But beyond that, I've got a few, particularly few close brothers in Christ that make up my few. Andy is one of my few. Andy and I have known each other for 22 years. He knows all of my quirks. He knows that that I have a habit of flossing and walking around the house at the same time in the evening as we did in our apartment when we were in college. He knows that about me. And I know about him too. I know his quirks, that he would eat an entire frozen pizza for dinner every day in college. Entire, and I would say, hey, can I have a slice? Like just one slice. And he'd say, no, I'm going to eat this whole thing. Every day, an entire frozen pizza. Andy. But Andy has the right to say things to me that no one else can. No one else can. He can say things to me that I don't want to hear, but I take it from him because he's part of my few. Or another friend of mine has a son who's in trouble with the law. It's very difficult and hard for him to share, so he's kept it largely private. But he told me about it because I'm part of his few. Who are your few? Who is it that, in a crisis, they'd be one of your top three or five phone calls? And I'm not just talking about any friend that you would have, but a a brother or sister in Christ, who you know will be there for you, who will pray for you. Who are your few? And maybe if you're you're struggling to think of that, that kind of a few, then maybe your one step this year is to fortify your few to join a community group or a Bible study, or maybe take some friends that you have, but go a level deeper with them and say, hey, I think we need to get together to to pray for each other or to read scripture together. And you, you go deeper because you need to fortify your few. We all need our few. And one of your questions today is, who are your few? Just as you need a few, you also need a a crowd uh, something bigger than you, a larger movement, movement of the gospel, the church in the big sense of the word church, you need to be uh, part of a crowd. And an example is just our church, that you're, you're part of something bigger than you. Uh, even, even our church, we're really, as an example, we're really five smaller congregations in one. That's the way we look at our church. We're not kind of one large church. We're, five, we're a collective of five congregations uh, that meet in two locations over two different days, five different worshiping communities. And you're part of this one, and you know a few people in this one, but you know that an hour earlier, a couple hours earlier, there was somebody sitting in your very seat at another service. And earlier than that, there was another group of people sitting in in your seat that has your name on it. Somebody took your seat, but at a different time. And last night, there was somebody. And down in Midtown, there's somebody sitting in a seat, and you're all part of the same church. You're part of a larger crowd, but you also have your few Another example is uh, the way we do education, Lutheran Christian education. We do associations. We join a crowd to do what we can't do on our own. Another example is, is the paradigm that we work with in our church, loved and sent. It's our paradigm for, for ministry, words that are important to us as a church, but it's bigger than us. We recognize that, that this is a bigger movement than just our church. There are churches around the country that also are bound together with these two words. So Acts Church in Austin, Texas, uses loved and sent. Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Hayward, California, uses loved and sent. 
I got an email last week from Pastor Momo Kali. He worshiped with us for a few years, and now he's gone back to Liberia. And he emailed me last week and said, we're going to do a Love Sent Servant event with you on the same day in October in Liberia. And those are just small reminders that we're part of a bigger crowd. And that when you look at the wall, we just play one little role. We play our part, and we do work really hard to do our part really well. But we're part of a bigger movement of God, a bigger story that God is orchestrating. The kingdom of God is advancing. And we're part of a bigger crowd, and that's important. We can't, can't be on our own. You need your few, and you need your crowd. I want you to hear my heart uh, for where I believe God is calling our church. As we kind of look at this coming year, as we talk about depth, as we kind of have our eyes on the horizon uh, for what's next, I want you to hear my heart for our church. I don't believe God is calling us to be a big church. And that might sound kind of funny, because you might think, well, isn't it good to grow Isn't it good to be a a bigger church? We're a larger church, but I don't think God is calling us to be a big church. I think God is calling us, and he's done this among us. He's calling us to grow bigger by getting smaller. He's calling us to grow what we call out and not up. And we've seen this in our midst. This is kind of who we are but more and more to name that because it's reflective of the dynamic of the crowds and the few. Out, not up. What I mean is not up like a big skyscraper, but out like a hundred buildings across the city. Not up like a big stadium with millions of people in it, but out like a hundred ball fields across the region. I believe God is calling us to do that because I listen to you. I've known you for a while. I listen to our people. And our people, you, you don't want to walk into a service with 2,000 people and walk out anonymously like you do the mall. Our people value a sense of community and belonging, a sense of deep relational connectivity. And that's one of our values as a church, to be relational. You value that. You want to be known. You want to be seen. And when you come into your particular service, if you're a regular in this service, there are people who know you and they recognize you. And when you're missing and you're not sitting in your seat, they know, they notice And that's important. And so more and more, we're going to leverage who we are and say, what would it look like to just say, we're going to have worship services of 100, 200, maybe 250, but maybe that's max. And we have five right now. What would it look like to have 10? To grow out and not up. It's kind of who we are already, who we're built to be. And reflect that dynamic of the crowds and the few. I'll give you an example. Um, It was spring break last year. And I was meeting with, in March, I was meeting with a pastor from a a large non-denominational church in St. Louis. Just to connect and say, hey, what's what's going on? What are you up to? What are you guys learning? And uh, so we met at Dewey's in uh, Pizza in Webster Groves, downtown Webster. I don't normally go in downtown Webster Groves. It's not my normal circuit. So I was down there, didn't expect to know anybody. So I'm sitting at a booth with him and we're talking about church and I'm trying to listen. What are you, what are you learning? I want to hear about it. 
And out of the, my left ear, I heard whispering, and I heard my name, Pastor Jeff. Look, it's Pastor Jeff. And I look over, and there's a, a handful of uh, elementary-age girls from our church. They're on spring break, and their parents took them to the roller cade, and then they went out for pizza. And I look over, and I see all these people that I know from our church uh, having pizza, and, and they're, Pastor Jeff. So I go over, and they want to take my picture. Mom says, hey, uh, can we take your picture with him, Pastor Jeff? And so I get up, we take a picture, and the whole restaurant is looking at, who is this? Is this, is this Adam Wainwright? Is this? <laughs> no, it's not at all. Take my And then we say goodbye, we talk, and I go sit back down across from this pastor, and he goes, you know what we're trying to do? That. He said, we're, we're too big. We're, we're trying to break apart, actually, because people aren't sticking and everybody needs to know somebody. Everybody needs a pastor. And we're trying to do that. How do we maintain the dynamic of the few where you're known and seen by a few? But at the same time, the gospel is that important. We, it has to go out. We've got to continue to, to be sent out and grow, but grow bigger by getting smaller. We're looking at what that model can look like more and more in our midst. Because when you look at the big wall and the big picture, you see that this is a really big story and a big movement that God is orchestrating and moving forward. And we're a part of it. We're a part of this big wall and all of these faces on the wall. We're a part of that. And that's really exciting to say God is up to something and, and we get to kind of see this big picture and know that we're a part of it. But also, when you look at that big wall, it can also be intimidating. And today, you might even look at that and say, that makes me feel really small or insignificant. And you might wonder today if you have a place on that wall. You might wonder if you fit. You might think that nobody cares, nobody understands me, nobody sees me. You may feel you don't have a place on that wall. And if you feel that way today, if you feel that way today, you need to, to step closer to the wall. And when you get closer, all of those faces, that crowd of people, the faces sharpen. And as you get closer, you see that your face is on the wall. That you belong there too. That God has placed you in the big picture. And how do I know? I know because he's proven it with blood. That you're part of his family, not by biological birth, but by sacrificial death. He did that to put you on the wall. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, gave his life so that you could be given a place on the wall. And now you're seen and you're known by him. Put you on the wall so that he could call you son or daughter, child, so that you would have a place. That of all the names, all the millions of Israelites throughout Scripture, or all the crowds that followed Jesus, and all the names of the disciples, Bartholomew and Matthew and Philip, of all those names, yours is there too. You are named. And you have a place. This year, you're being called to take one significant step in spiritual maturity. And as you do so, you're going to see more and more your place 
and your purpose in the big picture. And my prayer for you in this coming year is that as you grow, you would see what step God wants you to take, what role you play in a much bigger story, what purpose you have in a much larger scheme as together we take one step. Thank you again for listening to the sermon from Christ Memorial. If you happen to be in St. Louis or live in St. Louis, we would love to meet you and have you join us for worship on Sunday. We are located in South County, St. Louis at 5252 South Lindbergh. We also have a city site called Reliant that is located on the St. Louis University Medical Campus in Crave Coffee House. You can find all of our worship times and information at cmstl.org or reliantchurch.org. Hope you have a good day, and remember, you are loved by God deeply through His Son, Jesus Christ, and you are sent with great purpose wherever you go. Have a good day.